Hey mamas, welcome to another podcast episode. This is I See You Mama, and um, I'm your host, Ariana Evans, and this is week three of me still sounding like Kathleen Turner on my smoky voice with a whiskey, my whiskey voice. <clears throat> yeah, so that's still happening, still, what is this never-ending cold that I can't get over? Um, so you are listening to this really cool podcast right now, and I'm glad you're here. Um, we talk with other moms about the cool stuff they're doing because a lot of us kind of keep that stuff on the down low, right? We're like doing amazing things, but like also just, I'm just a mom. How often do we say that? I'm just a mom. Um, maybe not the people who actually have outside the home jobs, um, but for a long time I was hanging with a lot of stay-at-home moms and that we heard that a lot. Like, I'm just a mom. No, you're not. You're amazeballs. Shut your face. We want to hear all about the amazing stuff you're doing. So that's what this podcast is about. And um, this week's guest is, her name is Megan Lytle. And she is an artist. And when I say artist, I, in Nashville, sometimes they mean, you think people mean like a musician. But um, Megan is a visual artist. And her principal medium right now is... Um, painting. So, uh, if you've ever been to one of her shows, she does these amazing, like enormous, beautiful landscapes. And, um, like there's just a lot of sort of like tonality, just like, it's just like greens and blues. It's so like peaceful and beautiful. And, um, she did some really cool work. One was for, oh, excuse me. She did some really cool work, um, for the Tennessee Land Trust. I believe that's right. Um, and just her last, oh, you know what? This is real life. My dryer just went because this is real life. I'm at home doing all the house chores. Um, anyway, I'll tell you that about that in a second. So Megan does some really beautiful work. Um, she's had, um, a really lot of like gallery shows and, um, has just like, I'll let her tell you all about it, but like you love her stuff. Um, and it's M-E-G-A-N-L-I-G-H-T. E-L-L. Is that right? Yeah. Megan. L-I-G-H-T-E-L-L. So go check her out and you can find her on Instagram. You can find her on the web. You can find her all these different places, but um, the links will be in the show notes. So just scroll down a little bit in your podcast catcher, whatever that is, and click on her links and go check out her work. Um, so you're going to really enjoy this episode, I know. And um, just like every Monday, like uh, I, I was putting these out at 5 a.m. like so faithfully and um, my weekends have just gotten away from me. So I'm in the middle of like laundry and the dishwasher's going and, and folding and blah, 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 and checking out, um, catching up from uh, this weekend where we took our kids camping. Um, actually, say I took our three kids camping with... Um, our Cub Scout pack because Hubs, who's the Cub Master, was homesick with whatever I had and still is lingering. Uh, so we're all just kind of wrecked and there's a lot of like stinky laundry because it was wet and fun and we had a great time. And now it's like the just digging myself out of this perpetual hole of laundry. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know how people who have, like, outside the home jobs and, like, still do housework stuff 
uh, get stuff done because I I'm a hot mess, hot mess. I even like actually texted a friend this morning and be like, "Can I just hire you and you like come work alongside me for like just a couple hours and we'll just like bust it and knock out everything and then I can get to like the projects I actually want to do, like recording the intro for this podcast and um, doing some testing for a remote podcast that's coming up tomorrow. Anyway that I'm going to be recording tomorrow that you'll hear in the next couple of weeks. So I'm really excited about that. So I just got to, sometimes you got to have help, right? You got to have somebody like just walk alongside you. Some people have partners who do that. Some people have spouses who do that. Some people who have uh, friends or family or, no, um, I mean, some people have to hire somebody and that's where I am this week and that's real life, y'all. Anyway, um, we're going to jump in with Megan and her podcast. I know you're going to really enjoy hearing about her um, just different venues that her art takes her, not only visual, but like some new stuff that she's going to talk about, which I'm really excited for her. Um, anyway, so we're going to jump right in. All right. Oh, by the way, if you would like to be a guest on the podcast, you're more than welcome. This is episode 31, which I'm so excited um, about that, but we are finally having, I am finally figuring out how to do remote podcasts. So even if you're not in Nashville, I can have you on as a guest and I would love to hear about the cool stuff that you're doing. So drop me a line. My email is I see you mama podcast at gmail.com. And, um, you can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, my reluctant presence on all social medias is still there, but you can, you can find me there. Really? I'm there. Um, so we'd love to hear, I'd love to hear from you. Reach out and, um, yeah, let's jump in with Megan Lytle. This is my guest, Megan Lytle. Hi, thank you for having me today. Thanks for being here. I'm so excited. Me too. I've been it's looking a, forward to this. Yeah, I've, I feel like you're one of the people that I really put early on my list. I'm like, I want Megan to come and talk about her art. Oh, like I have like a dream guest list and you, like, you made the list really early. I am so honored to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know if I deserve that, but thank you. <laughs> well, considering I've been to your art shows and love what you do, I think it's well-deserved. So. Oh, thank you. Sure. So let's talk a little bit about, I wanted everybody to know, so Megan is a uh, visual artist, mm -hmm. specifically in the medium, medium of, of painting. Mm -hmm. um, and you're a mom of I'm one. a mom of one, my daughter, Sage, who is 11. 11. Mm -hmm. And so how did it, how... When did you become like a full-time artist? Was that pre-kids or... So tell me how that came yes. about for you. So I think I was really fortunate to have become a full-time artist pre-kids because nice. I, I have sort of noticed over the years that um, it is a lot easier to maintain a career, I think, as a mom than it is to start a career as a mom. I imagine... I would agree with yeah, that wholeheartedly. I, th I think, right. I think that... Um, the time, sort of the time demands of parenthood in general are just really intense. And I yeah. think um, I am for, I, I do count myself fortunate to have one child because I feel like that helps me sort of manage all of those time demands uh, with a little bit more ease than some friends I know who have several children. Yes. And I'm in awe of those mamas because I just can't, <laughs> I know that um, I am barely able to balance all of it with one so every time I see a mom who is just rocking it with three or four or more I'm just amazed two even yes. <laughs> I'm amazed um you're amazing they are every yes all of them everyone 
everyone doing this, I think, is amazing and deserves more credit than they're giving themselves. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it was easier to carve out that time for my work just because I was already making a living at it. And so, for me, yeah. it's always been... It sort of feels like a calling, but it's also my job, and right. it's how I put food on the table and a roof over our heads. And so um, within that sort of family negotiation that I think all of us have to do, it's just been a lot easier for me to demand that time and carve that time out. Um, I started doing – I started my studio practice pretty much full-time right out of art school. So I went to school in New York okay. back in the late 90s. And Where'd you go to school? I went to the School of Visual Arts on 23rd Street. So I studied um, – I have a BFA, but okay. I actually studied illustration in school. So I did a lot of, like, painting and drawing classes from life and um, just a lot of kind of visual composition and problem-solving kind of stuff. So my work came out of this really – sort of literal approach to image making yeah and then when I left school and I left New York I was offered a residency at this wonderful art center in the small town where I grew up in Ohio and so I was able to go kind of deep into the studio because of that opportunity and I was there for two years and I had a studio that was open to the public so I, I taught classes through that program and I got to learn kind of about the role of the artist in the community that's and cool. it was wonderful. It was Did you feel like that was in, invasive at all? Like when you're like, I'm in the zone and like you're coming in. You know, strangely, I think because I had never had a studio before that yeah. was re like a legit authentic studio, I didn't really have anything to compare it to. Also, it was a, you know, it was a small town. The center wasn't particularly bustling. There weren't tons of people in and out all the time. Okay. So we had, so there was space, there was more. space and we had boundaries around it. Like we had set hours and they were not, we weren't like a nine to five kind of situation. It was a few days a week. We were open for a few hours a day. Okay. And so a lot of it was, um, I think part of it was the director wanted people to see what it was, you know, what a working artist looks like. We, it was a very small town. We didn't have a lot of, you know, full-time professional artists, very yeah. few. And what was it? Name the, it's Coshocton, Ohio, and it's the Pomerine Center for the Arts. And oh, they're cool. still there doing amazing programming and public art. And do they still do residencies for I don't artists? know if they're doing as many residencies, but they're doing these wonderful uh, program. this programming and this. Um, they've built an art park on Main Street Very at the cool. site of this historic hotel that burned down. And what? it's amazing. Check it out. It's called Art Park. But yeah, it's pomerinearts.org, I believe is their website. But they're a wonderful resource for the community. They bring Very in cool. all kinds of people from around the state, around the country, and um, they're always just doing really interesting work there for the community. So now, are you from around mm -hmm. there? So I grew up in the county. Okay. And I knew. So it wasn't like, I'm going to Ohio, no. y'all. Bye. <laughs> no. It was a great experience. I mean, I had grown up with the daughter of the director. And okay. so she knew I had been studying in New York and I was graduating. Very cool. And she offered me my first show there. So wow. I did a show that summer. And that kind of gave me an entry point. Um and it, that was my first time putting a show together, too, which was really a lot more work than I ever imagined it would be. Yes. Um, but it was wonderful because it just gave me a landing spot. That transition kind of out of college is terrifying. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. I... I should get a job. Yeah. Wait. And, you know, I had I was at a crossroads. It was kind of like, you can stay in New York and work. I had a couple of potential, like, job opportunities that would have been really intense, not yeah. really what I wanted to be doing. Yeah. But 
And I would have been working so many hours, barely affording rent, having no space or time to make my work. Mm. So that was one path, stay in the big city yes, or go back and, um, you know, kind of take a pause and regroup and figure out what's next. And so just yeah. having that time and space was really important for me at that time. I felt, I felt like I just kind of needed, for one, I needed a break. The big, the kind of concrete and massive, like, hustle of New York was just not in line with my personality in the end. It right. was being there for several years, and I just felt really drained. Yeah. And I had grown up out in the country, surrounded by, like, farmland and rivers, and I hadn't – I couldn't wait to get out of there when I was growing up. It just felt, like, so isolated in such a small town. Yeah. But when I was removed from it, it just – I missed it and I wasn't expecting that. And it took right. me a while to kind of realize like I am starving here. Like I need some nature in my life and I need to get back to this like fresh air and green, you know? Yes. So I think just having the chance to come back to that environment, I saw it really differently at that point. It didn't look the same to me that, it, you know, as it did yeah. when I was a teenager. We were like, ugh. Right. Get me out of this, get me out of this country. But no, it was, it was wonderful suddenly to come back and actually I started doing paintings. I started doing these landscape paintings, which I never would have dreamed I would do. It was never something I was interested in, but I just started going outside and painting. That was kind of, yeah, it it was really a transformative time for my work too, because I think having an opportunity to slow down and just respond to that environment and I started, I had this studio space, so I was able to actually make paintings. And um, I just, I think pretty soon, just watching these landscapes stacking up in the studio, I didn't really know what I was going to do with them. That yeah. was just kind of my personal work that I was just doing yes. to explore, you know. I was going out with some other artists that lived around there. And it was really fun because everyone was doing really different work. We had um, abstract, you know, folks who were doing really abstract acrylics. We had photographers. We had some folks who were uh, much older and had been painting for decades and had all these different kind of experimental techniques that they used. So we would take a small group out and paint together about once a week and kind of look at each other's work afterwards. And it was really a dream job. It was great. It was really fun. And it was, it was nice to just get to talk about painting with other people and especially so many different sort of generations and different uh, approaches. It wasn't this like formulaic, everyone go out and paint and it should all look like this. It was yeah. very um, refreshing just to kind of see those different ways of looking at the landscape. And I think that's when it, that's when my current work, that was kind of the seeds of the work that I'm still doing today because yeah. it was just this really direct response to that place. Um, and I started going, because we were going out regularly, we would take turns choosing a site. So everyone would um, have to kind of get permission or, you know, find a place. You go on your land. Yeah. Well, there were a few times we didn't get permission, which was oh, a little didn't rough. Oh, get run off? A couple times. Not exactly. Oh. Once they realize that you're just painting and you're not, um, your tripod isn't like a surveyor's tripod or something. Sometimes people would come out and kind of be like, what are you what doing are you? on my land? Yeah. You know, it's, ah. it's the country. <laughs> but, um, but it, no, mostly it was fine. And, and a lot of folks we knew too. I mean, you know, you end up getting to know people pretty well over yeah. the years, but so, um, yeah, it was great. It was a great experience. So what was your work like before those sort of seeds of your landscapes came in? Yeah. Well, so I was a student. So it was essentially like I was doing a lot. I actually had been, I'm um, sorry, <clears throat> froggy. Um, I had been working on 
an illustration portfolio because I had okay. majored in illustration. And at the time, I was kind of on track wanting to do children's books. I had okay. worked at a children's bookstore in New York, gotten to know a lot of illustrators, and had I was trying to, like, pitch a couple of books. And I did a couple, like, book covers and that kind of thing early yeah. on. Um, but I f- it f- always felt really forced to me, that process yeah. of, like, working with reference and trying to craft this image for a client. Um, it just felt like a struggle and not in a great way for me in the long run. Like I was, I felt like I was just pushing uphill trying to get this to take. And it was also kind of at a rough time in the illustration era because it was, um, it was kind of like the dot-com bust in New York and things were a lot of people I knew Mm. were kind of struggling to get freelance work. And it's kind of a weird time to be trying to enter into it anyway. Yeah. But I also just don't think that my work was, really genuinely geared that way just I I really wanted to learn how to draw and paint I was really interested in and I've always been really interested in children's literature I think it's really powerful yeah and still is as much as it ever has been but um I just this other kind of thread that came in just felt more genuine to me it just it was what I was more interested in in the moment yeah. And it came, those paintings came really easily. It was like, it was more of like this spon- moment by moment discovery and this like exploration that felt really fresh. And it didn't feel like I was having to push against anything to get those paintings to exist, you know? Yeah. Um, and I started to realize we, we would go out and look for new spots to paint. And I would find that over time I was looking, I would see like certain things emerging, like certain, I was looking for certain things and I couldn't really name what they were, but it was like, there would be like a pattern or a cluster of something that I would, it was like a rhythm that I was starting to see showing up in the work. What are you looking for? Like, do you know, can you name it now? I think now with the hindsight of a couple of decades of doing this work, I think that I'm, I've been looking for this sort of sense of like balance and tension in this. Like I like looking at, I like looking for uh, big shapes like values yeah. And I like this kind of sense of like poetry and rhythm in the space. So there's just a certain um it I, I still can't really name it. I can't really like put it into words, but that's but why I we paint, see, right? Like, when I look at your when I look at your work, I when you say that I'm like, I see that. Like, yeah. I'm looking at your website right now. Aww. Like I see like but I've come to your shows and looked at your stuff and mm-hmm. sort of stalked you online a lot. Aww. You know. Um, but I can see that like in your, in your work where there's like, there's things that sort of draw you and then Mm -hmm. other things that sort of draw you down a path. Right. Almost visually, even though it's not like it could be a river or it could be a, right. Whatever. But it's, it's drawing you into different places in the, in the painting. Right. I think there's, there's just a certain, um, and, and you know, each, there will be sort of periods where I'll be more interested in like a really close like tonal harmony, like a very muted color palette, or I'll be interested in maybe pushing more of contrast, a sense of contrast. So, you know, it kind of comes and goes in and out, but there's always just this sort of intuitive thing that's, that sparks that I kind of want to paint that, you know? And I've noticed like, um, and I've, I've kind of come back to this over the years too, because back when I was first working with other people in that area, I would notice like my friend would pick a spot and we always joked like she loved, they, they do contour cropping up there where they'll plant rows of say like corn and then in between would be like maybe oats or soy. 
And so they look like stripes on the hillside and okay. they kind of wave in and out. It looks like almost like a wavy lines yeah. over and over on the hillside. And she loves her favorite thing to paint. And I kind of hated that. And I, we would always joke with each other because she would be like, I'm going to go get some contours. And I would always pick like Blech. maybe a low field with hills in the distance. I liked like kind of layers and yeah. I didn't, I couldn't really articulate at the time what it was that yeah. I liked or didn't like. I just knew that I would be frustrated by certain things and not by other things. And I, yeah, it's, it's just a very personal response to the place. Yeah. And I think, um, even now I, I have noticed sort of a struggle with that because I've done some shows over the years where I've asked other people to kind of share with me their favorite spot on their land. And so I'll paint a certain view that's chosen by someone else just to, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing to just like look through someone else's eyes at their own land that they know really intimately. Right. And um, even that, even in that process, I always struggle a little bit. Those paintings I feel like don't come out as in as like a much with as much strength as the pieces that I've chosen myself that I'm really genuinely like yeah. personally interested in. So it's just sort of like a dynamic to to the work that is something I've noticed over the years. But I keep going back and forth because there's something about you know wanting to get out of your own head a little bit sometimes. Yeah. That's kind of nice. But there's definitely like this aspect of like things that are aesthetically pleasing to me mm-hmm. like you're in my house mm-hmm. and some people find this combination i'm gonna talk about my walls I of blue this kind of robin's yeah. egg blue and these bright red curtains they find them jarring i love it whereas i'm like ooh, yeah um my my good friend who's an interior designer she's like are you sure and I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm really sure. And then my husband saw it and he's like, that's going to look terrible. And then it was up and he was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's not so bad. I'm like, yeah. You're like, like but yeah, it, complimentary colors, buddy. I know. Like, off the side of the, <laughs> right. the color wheel. Like, yeah, that's right. It works. Yeah. But yeah. He, it was, I, so I definitely see that. Like, I'm aesthetically drawn to, like, smooth and shiny. Mm-hmm. And and my husband is drawn to, like, angulars and geometrics. And, mm-hmm. and so when we pick stuff, like, I have an email address that's, like, shiny round things. I'm like, ah. it's, it's like, <laughs> Perfect. I use it for junk mail. But still, it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm drawn to those things. Mm-hmm. Like, and I want to touch them. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to be like, ooh, don't touch. Okay. <laughs> Museums are difficult. Huh? Yeah, like I'm gonna. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's fascinating. Like I, I love to watch. Like I when I came to your studio, I love to watch your process. Like how you go from like a study, mm-hmm. which because I was like, oh, you start in this larger scale, but you don't. You mm-hmm. start in this much smaller scale, mm-hmm. and then you go to this big mm-hmm. scale. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've seen other people who start with a giant canvas. Mm-hmm. And they have kind of an idea, but they they start with the canvas and mm-hmm. build it there. Whereas you do these studies mm-hmm. that I find like these are so beautiful, oh, but they're like in miniature. And they, then they yeah. go when they're big. I'm like, whoa! Right, that's been something I've been interested in playing around with over the years because I've actually done kind of both approaches, and I still do. Um, sometimes I do just dive right in on a big canvas if there's yeah. a composition I have in mind. Lately. I feel a little bit more confident uh, as I get kind of more into more and more subtle things. I get more confident with having done a little color study of some sort sometimes on those big pieces. But yeah. what I've found is that those 
really intimate small pieces sometimes they just have a life of their own and they're they're at their best when they're just those little six by eight inch tiny little paintings they have this real freshness and spontaneity that doesn't really translate to the big the larger scale so occasionally and I do those a lot of those I just kind of think of those as field studies I go outdoors and paint different times of the day and check in you know sometimes I'll check out a spot several times and just try to get different conditions and a different sense of that place so that those little studies end up serving as sometimes information for the bigger piece and then sometimes they just kind of have their own little life and I don't even feel like they need to be anything different so yeah, and I just feel like some some spaces feel like they want to be on a big canvas and they want, you know, there's a different um, thing that happens when you're interacting with a painting in person, too. I think that's one of the interesting things about being in this age where everyone's on social media, we're looking at a lot of art online. A yeah. lot of people aren't making it to the museums or the galleries. They're just looking online at images. Yeah, And I do that with a lot of painters, too. I mean... Yeah. I like to go see paintings in person, though, because when you can see that paint, the actual pigments and textures up close, it's a it has a life. Like, there's just this life in the surface of a painting that you don't get from yeah. a photograph. And also just that sense of scale. Like, yeah. you can, if you're scrolling through Instagram and you're looking at this little painting, it looks like it has a big yeah. presence. But if you see it in a room, it might be just this tiny little intimate moment off in the corner. Yeah. So it's really, I think it's a nice aspect to keep in mind just to, you know, try to get out to a show and see the paintings in person if you can. It's a really different experience to see, you know, a five-foot painting versus a five-inch painting. Right. So. And that Nashville, like, has... Like, I guess when I moved here, I thought, oh, it's focused on, mm-hmm. you know, these little niches. Mostly music was what I could see because mm-hmm. that's what I was here for a long time ago. But, like, as I'm like, oh, there's this huge, like, artist community and galleries and, like, mm-hmm. things that, you know, there's there's sort of, like, pockets where people are like, yeah, this is where all the artists kind of hang out mm-hmm. and do the things. And, and getting to go see galleries, like, there was one particular artist who is a friend of mine and I had seen her work online and mm-hmm. then she had a piece in her house and I was like that this is a totally different experience mm-hmm. it is. like I've never seen this piece at this size mm-hmm. it was the size of you know yeah the wall I was oh, like yeah. this is a whole different thing it than is what I saw on Instagram right it is and it can feel it's weird because a lot of times these I mean those of us who work back and forth like that and work on a large scale we might do sketches or studies you can you can post all of those images and they all look the same right. like they all look like the same thing but when you go in you know to experience them in person it's a really different I like that idea of scale I like what happens when you're kind of standing in front of this piece that you feel like you could just walk right in it's almost yeah. like a window or a you know this this like immersive space versus yes. this little intimate kind of moment that you're it just it just changes the interaction with it but and just the you know the pigment itself I just love being able to see that's one thing I miss about New York living in Nashville is there aren't as many like there are definitely galleries and there are places to go see painting but we don't have a museum with a permanent collection that yeah. we can real that you can go visit like the same paintings over and over, and, over. and I'm, I do miss that because it's there is something I learned I feel like I learned how to paint from just going to museums and looking at paintings like really you know, studying what pigment did they use and how did they apply that brush stroke and how many layers are under there. And you just can't tell that from a photograph. Like right. you have to walk up, but almost put your nose on the painting and, you know, kind of 
really study what's you know what's happening right there in front yeah. of you and then take that back to to the studio i used and to try it out yeah and i mean i used to go and spend hours at the metropolitan museum and on the weekends and then go back to class the next week and you know okay i'm gonna go try that pigment i think that's what they used and try you know just as an experiment to try to understand how you know how to build a painting from looking at actual paintings so it's just it's something that i think is important as a painter to have access to that um other it's nice to see other painters working too but to see even like dead painters their work that (laughs) lives beyond them it's just a great lesson that's awesome so how do you feel like how do you feel like you incorporate having sage in your life? I mean, in your life, but in your work, like, cause I know that she's been with you from like you came, she came into the world and you were an artist. So mm-hmm. how did that look like for her, like alongside you and mothering and. Oh yeah. Um, I, f- I feel very fortunate that, um, it, having this kind of a career has allowed me this flexibility as a mom that a lot of other moms don't get to have. And so I, it's a privilege and I'm very grateful for that situation. Um, even when I was in school, I sort of always knew I wanted to be a mom. I mean, my big picture life always included children. Yeah. And so, um, I always kind of, I don't think I really thought through the implications of what it would be like to raise a child and be a painter. I don't think any of that ever would have dawned on me, but, um, it, you work it out, right. you know, it works. Um, when she was born, uh, I had my studio, we were living in a different house and I had, it was essentially what would be like this room, like the living room was my studio because I was living I had you know when I got the house I was renting this house and I was living by myself before my husband came along and so I had the whole main room was my studio and then that's not very conducive to like a child toddler Mm -hmm. like you just kind of need a different setup so by the time she was about a year and a half we bought a different house that had uh, a studio like an upstairs that was able to you know I could close the door and go up there and work so that was my situation for a long time but when um, when she was born, I mean, I I think I did my first painting after she was born when she was about three weeks old. So mm-hmm. I pretty much jumped right back in. And newborns sleep a lot, and I, I kind of just carved out time around her sleeping and napping. Um, she was also a really easy baby, so that was That's kind helpful. of lucky. Yeah, she was not a great sleeper, but everything else. I mean, at night, like she yeah. she was up a lot at night, but. Otherwise, she was just a super sweet baby and easy. And so I think I just kind of had a pretty easy um, transition into into working. And because I worked at home, I could yeah. just kind of be close with her. By the time she was about nine months old, it became – she was kind of a late walker and all of that too. She was just very yeah. chill. So, um, yeah, it was – she's the best. <laughs> um but we you won the lottery. I know. And that's part of the reason I only have one because we were like, <laughs> we hit the baby jackpot. It's not going to happen again. Right. We went next weird. Like yeah. I was like, devil yeah, like, we are super happy with our life and we're good. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Um, no, she was a great, she was a great baby. She's still great. Um, but yeah, she, we had, we were fortunate. My sister-in-law who d- had done some nannying. Yeah. She came a couple times a week and kind of just, would hang out with her for a few hours at a time so I could work. So we kind of had that. Um, that was really helpful so that I could carve out time for just for me to work and not, I didn't want to 
you know, have her off to the side and be ignoring her while yes. I was painting. So, I mean, I, I care. look at her. Somebody look at this kid. Right. She, need, you know, babies need attention. They need, they need connection. And I was big. I was uh, big on the attachment parenting thing. So I would, I had her in an ergo carrier a lot when she yeah. was an infant. And so she was on me all the time and she was always with me. But I definitely just like wanted her to have, you know, I didn't want her to be just kind of like off to the side while I was working. I didn't really want her with a stranger or anything like that. So we were just really fortunate to have my sister-in-law kind of come and help out that kind of toward the end of that first year into her little toddler phase um, so that we could still, it it helped me feel less guilty because (laughs) I was like, oh, she's at least getting some good family time here. But even that, I think I cried the first day that my sister-in-law came to take her. I was just a very... You can't escape the mom guilt, no No, matter what. I am the worst at the mom guilt. I mean, I know we all carry it around, but that is a a growth process for me. It's like when I I was first um, pregnant with her and first when she was first born, I was so obsessive about like all the things right like doing it all right and making all the right choices and and I wanted it to be so perfect and that's the number one thing I think I've learned as a mom is like let it go there is none of that available to us no we're all doing the best we can you know judge yourself a little less judge everyone way less you know judge everyone else way less and it's just uh we're all just kind of trying to do the best we can you know And be a little easier on ourselves. I think that's been one of the hardest (laughs) lessons, but we all have to get there or we'll, you know, drive ourselves pretty nuts. So, yeah, but yeah, we, we had a good uh, beginning though. It was, it was a good beginning. I loved, I mean, I might be one of the weird outliers, but I kind of loved that little baby phase. It was Mm. really sweet. (laughs) and We had a really good time. Yeah. I feel like it can be very overwhelming though. Like it's, if you have colic or you have that kind of thing, it can just be so hard and so exhausting. But um, I, I definitely really enjoyed that little stage of life, and it does get better, and it does it goes quickly. <laughs> even though when you're in it, you think you're never gonna have a life again. But yes. no, it's it's a great. Uh, it was a great experience. I, I think. I used to say we. I lived and died in three hour segments because right. she would like be awake for three hours. Yeah. Or be asleep for three hours. Like, mm-hmm. and I was like, I just need, I can't. And I had a very grumpy baby, my first one, mm-hmm. um, who grew into a very sassy teenager. Nice. So I'm, I'm in the throes of a different phase. Yeah. I'm like, great. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> That's some, some of the best advice I got back when I was pregnant from a family friend of ours who I've always admired as a parent, but she was just like, you just have to enjoy every face. She was like, yeah, don't, you know, try, don't try to hold on to these, to them at a certain age, but just really be with, be with what age they're, you know, what stage they're going through. And yeah, she was one of the first people who was like, I love having teenagers. It's great. Cause it, you know, you don't really, you hear people gripe about that all the time, but having that attitude has been really helpful for me because I feel like I've been able to try to stay really present with whatever age she was in and just enjoy, you know, we always like mourn the loss of that, like little, Oh, the top, you know, that sweet toddler, you know, time or that, like you're shaking your head. (laughs) I never, I I did not have, I mean, I think I like, yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't have like my boys were sweet toddlers, Uh but um, my oldest has been a pistol. (laughs) day one but like it actually this phase of her life has mm-hmm. been all of them have been delightful but this is the one where 
I start to see her as like, oh, we're having a conversation, Mm -hmm. a real conversation, Mm -hmm. not just like me teaching you things, but like you're teaching me things now. Mm -hmm. Whereas she was always trying to inform me of things, (laughs) but they were already kind of things that I knew. But now like Mm -hmm. she's kind of delving into herself. Mm -hmm. And then as my son, as my daughter does it, I see more that I was kind of missing where my sons were doing it in their younger age. And Mm -hmm. I was like, man, I just, I'm a better parent to the younger one. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I (laughs) think. It takes me a while to figure stuff out. Right. It does. I feel like they're always a little ahead of us. Yeah. And they're our best teachers, you know, and I feel like it's this opportunity. I mean, one of the things that surprised me the most about parenting is just how they sort of reflect back to you all of these things that you didn't even really realize you needed to work on about yourself. Just right in your face, right there, you know. Oh, I said that. Right. It's it's eye-opening. But it's an opportunity for growth. And, you know, I definitely have moments where I wish, like, I wish I would have known that and been better at that back then. You know, it would be nice to have some others coming behind her to (laughs) to feel a little bit more confident and, um, you know, self-assured, but, uh, yeah, she gets to be the, uh, the guinea pig of the the perpetual experiment. Yeah. Yeah. But she's, she takes it in stride and she's really, she's good at it. And that's very, as a human, she's very chill. She's an awesome human. Yeah. Every, every time I've been around her, I'm like, my kids are very like chatty and Uh sort of in your face. And I never get that vibe. She is very, she's always just had this very calm way about her. I mean, she can be really excited and bubbly with her friends and, and, um, you know, and she can be, she can get really excited about certain (laughs) things, but for the most part, her, her general temperament is lovely. (laughs) Like it's very nice to be around even, yeah, even when she was a baby, that's just her personality. Mm. And yeah. And she's just. She's a, she's a delight most of the time. <laughs> I mean, we're at that age, we're in the same phase. We're in that sort of tween mm. phase, which I know can be it can be challenging. And you know, I feel like they're testing out like they're trying on different selves. That's it's exactly like, it. They're like, I'm gonna be the cool girl today. I'm mm-hmm. gonna be the nerd girl today. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be the like super. What do they call it? The Visco girl. Visco. It's girl. all about the Visco. What? what? Oh, oh, we know all about <laughs> the Visco girl. I was like, what yeah. is happening? Scrunchies yep. were my era. I don't know what is I happening know. right now. I like, know. I can make you some scrunchies. I was all right. about yeah. I kind of love it. I mean, it seems kind of wholesome to me. I don't really have a problem. <laughs> I, think really there are, wholesome. I think there are worse trends so, like, to be enamored with. like the, the vamping goth girl with like, right. you know, bustiers and fishnets. Right. And I'd be like, um, you're 10. Right. I have a minute. Let me know. Right. We're not. Re- I'm not ready. Ugh. Like you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> we we sort of had a whole summer of that because we we were doing a lot of camps this summer. Yeah. And so she went from musical theater camp to rock camp to I mean it was like a series of different experiences and it was that sort of like persona different persona each yes. week which was kind of fun to watch her play with that. But the really fun thing is just watching them sort of become themselves. Yeah. You know, I think that kind of like middle school which I think back on that time in horror but she seems to be really like nailing it in a way that I never felt like I had you know that sort of confidence or that I don't know it just feels like she has a different way of of handling that era than I did and I like seeing it I like seeing what you know sort of watching them navigate that and making new friends and 
kind of just coming into themselves. It's a it's a cool age. It I think is. it can be kind of threatening to some parents because they're they're sort of like changing in front of you in a way that you're you didn't really expect or prepare right. for. But there aren't any what to expect from your child age. There aren't like a lot of books. There aren't a lot. <laughs> I think. There I mean, w- there's like period, like yeah, period, but not really like what's coming down the pike. You're like what? Right. Shoot. I did read one this summer, and I'm forgetting the title of it, that was really helpful about that. It was kind of like a developmental tween. I'll see if I can dig that up, because I'm not thinking of the name of it. I think everybody has the, like, zero to two. That's what I, yeah. What do you expect when you're inspecting, and then the zero to two? And then after that, you're like, it's a crapshoot. I don't know what's happening. No, that's exactly it. And it was funny, because reading reading this book, she talked, this is a developmental, like, psychologist who works with teen girls, and she was talking about... um, Oh, it's Untangled. Oh, Untangled. Do you know this book? Yeah, we just, I talked about this with another podcast guest. Oh, well, so it's a great book. I just, yes, yeah, I just couldn't it. think of the name of it. But yeah, she talks about how we all have these, like, what to expect. And yeah. we, because we're just thrown into the fire of parenting these infants. But yeah, there's this, and I think she called it like a latency period, like a period of time from age six to 10. When they're just easy, like they're just coasting along in their little um, elementary world. And it does sort of feel like that. You kind of get to where you're like, I got this. Yeah. They're, they have their teachers. They have their school. They're learning their ABCs. Everything's cool. And then they just hit middle school. And it's uh, a totally different world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's nice to kind of, it was helpful for me to remember like, oh, they're supposed to rebel. That's right. what they're supposed to do. Expect it. Um, don't be, you know, horrified when it happens. Yeah. There's just a certain, and and actually if they're not doing that, that's when you should be concerned because if they are doing that, it shows that they feel safe enough with you to, um, you know, go through that developmental. separating themselves. Like they're going to be out in the world in like eight years. Like, and I think about that as an, as an intellectual idea. And I think, oh yes, this is normal. And this is what's supposed to happen. When I when she's eighteen and leaving the house, then I will be a puddle floods, on the floor. Floods but of tears. Yes, yeah. but right now it's something that we're sort of just like uh, trying in the mindset of preparing for the future yeah. and um, meaning like you are going to be an independent human out in the world. It's Our good. job is not to micromanage everything for you. Our job is to make sure that you know how to do these things for yourself. So yeah. But yeah, when that day comes, I will be a complete mess. So <laughs> I sometimes feel like I'm watching my daughter and I'm like, you have like you got this in a way, like mm-hmm. like you said, in a way that I didn't have in middle school. And then sometimes she'll just come home and like be a hot mess. And oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, so this was the same sort of facade that I put on yes. in middle school where my parents thought I was confident and doing fine. Mm-hmm. And I was a wreck, a right. walking wreck. Yeah. But I sometimes could hold it in. Yeah. Sometimes I couldn't. I was not very good at holding it in. But she's really good at holding it in. Yeah. And then, like, stuff will come out sideways, and I'm like, what's going on, babe? Mm-hmm. And, like, that's the part where, like, even as moms, I'm like, wow, she's got this and this and this down, whereas I didn't as at 10 or 12. Mm-hmm. I'm like, she doesn't. She's still lost as a goose, just like I was back then. Probably just like every yeah, 11, 12-year-old. Like, you yeah. know, it's just, it's part of, it's part of that p- point in life, too, yeah. I think, you know. Well, and to have a resource to be like, do you want to talk about stuff? Or like, right. and what what's funny is like, she has a best friend. And I, like, that best friend's mom is a great resource for her to like, yes. you want to talk about stuff that she's not yet willing to talk with me about. 
I love that part of like yeah. having a village of moms because I know we've had that same experience of being fortunate to have other female role models in her life who, I mean, they can yeah. have the sex talk. They can talk. They start, you know, she knows she can go to other trusted adult women in her life with questions that um, it's just kind of, it's been nice to sort of have a sense of like openness around that with other moms too and yeah. have that resource for them, I think. Yeah, I don't remember I don't remember having as much of that uh growing up either. So I I definitely think it's nice to have that sense of community. We're kind of all in this together. We're all supporting each other and yeah, have those kind of other women in her life that she can go to. I don't think I really had that either. I think it was more peer to peer. Right. Which was a, a ton of misinformation. Exactly. A ton. Exactly. Like nobody knew what they were talking about. No. Or my siblings. I got a lot from my si- older siblings. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the same sort of like caring, nurturing, like another adult. Who, right. It was, I really, my grandmother, mm-hmm. she passed away when I was a teenager, which mm-hmm. was really, she was kind of my resource for that. Mm-hmm. Like another adult who wasn't my mom, mm-hmm. who couldn't really, wasn't going to get me in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that I could really talk to. Yeah. And, uh. Gosh, yeah. And having that for our, that's one of the benefits I feel like is of city living is that right. there's a little bit more closeness in proximity. Definitely. Like my daughter's walking home with a friend mm-hmm. and she's going to hang out with their mom for a minute and mm-hmm. they're going to maybe chit chat about stuff that she's like, when I say house school, she's like, fine. <laughs> that's what I get. Fine. It's okay. I know. Like, we, we're at that age when your own mom isn't cool, but everyone else's mom is really cool. Right. So yeah. Everybody else's mom is super cool. Yes. Yes. I just have to remind her that everyone has their mom if they're lucky and you know, it's, you're not the only one with a mom. So it's okay. <laughs> Mostly, we're pretty good, though. It's yeah. mostly very sweet. So, I mean, good. again, in another couple years, I don't know. But at the present moment, we're having a very good time. Good. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, um, do you have any shows coming up? I do. So, I will have two shows at the end of this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I'll have so one. Is this in, new? Is the same sort of? Uh, two galleries that I've been working with for a while. So, okay. one, I'm expecting one in Atlanta at the end of the year okay. and planning for one here in Nashville again at the end of the year. So, so is this a different, like, because your last one was, what was the title of it? Saving Spaces? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was the one that I was working with the Land Trust for Tennessee and oh, yeah, yeah. visiting some sites that were protected through the Land Trust. So this one's going to be a little bit more open-ended. I'm still kind of working on where Title it's going. Progress. I am. I'm thinking right now about um, and sort of have been starting work on some imagery from a, from out west. I actually just got back from a trip. You did? Yes, I was out in New Mexico, and so and I'm. Th- hoping to spend some more time out that way this year um so i'm thinking about doing a series of work just of that sort of unfamiliar landscape something new and yeah. different for me i like kind of seeing what people do when they're i mean some some of the back and forth in my work has been about this really intimate like long-term deep knowledge of a place versus going somewhere that's kind of fresh and unfamiliar so haven't yeah. really put together a body of work like that in a while and sometimes Very something cool. unexpected comes out of that. So I'm kind of thinking in that direction at the moment. So we'll Very see cool. what finally evolves because sometimes things change in the process. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a, I just, yeah, I went, went out there last month and uh, stayed in the area where Georgia O'Keeffe lived, Okay, painted a lot out in that area. And 
It was really wonderful just to be in a new place that I had never been. Very cool. Yeah, I tried. It's a whole different palette. Like it's, it's totally different. Tennessee is all the greens and it blues is. and mm-hmm. sandy colors and mm-hmm. not sand, but like right. But that well, kind a lot of, of sort of grasses and things. Yes, it's very green. <laughs> a lot of painters kind of hate that about Tennessee. They do. <laughs> it green is a hard green is hard oh, because really? there. I love it, and I love painters who do it really well because there's yeah. some really beautiful things that can come of it. But um, it's challenging because yeah. it's just. It ends up, it can feel really monochromatic and not so dynamic yeah. in a certain way. So, um, but I've seen, I've seen some people do it really well and I, and I, I love it here. I like yeah. the, um, one of the things I like about Tennessee is just that sort of misty mm-hmm. humidity that we have here <laughs> yes. that we all love so much. But as a painter, it's great because it kind of sets up this kind of atmospheric condition that's really yeah. appealing to me. Uh, and it's sort of like a, t- it lends to a tonal approach that I really like you go out west it's a really different uh quality of light it's very because it's so dry yes everything's just very clear and crisp and it's just a different approach I mean you just end up having to do really different things visually yeah to to accommodate that so the first time I painted out west extensively I really struggled with that I went out to California for residency a couple years ago and I was I spent like I think two days just picking out sites because I couldn't find I was like this is the wrong time of day this is too harsh and I it just took me a minute to figure out like where to go at what time of day to get the some sort of subtlety and softness in the image because I didn't want that real the harshness isn't really what attracts me necessarily right so I don't want to paint California like it like it's Tennessee but I also want to paint it like myself so yes yeah figuring all of those things out in a new place is frustrating but also kind of part of the fun and part of the challenge so well as in a total aside like we go to texas every summer and in the summer it's like burnt Uh uh-huh like well my parents live in the piney woods which is very like dense pine forests Mm -hmm. and a little swampy as you keep going towards louisiana it's in the northeast corner but we go out to like my sister's house in fort worth and and then we drive back and like the road the interstate that goes through arkansas is kind of like not it's not in the best beautiful part of Arkansas. It just goes through like the east side. Mm -hmm. And then, but when we come back and we cross over the Tennessee river, it's like the quality of the land changes. Mm -hmm. And my, I'm like, so green. (laughs) Like it's so green coming home from like, you know, sort of burnt Mm -hmm. Texas plains. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, like I, I, re- I feel like a physical relaxing. Yeah. When I encounter that, so I totally, yeah, I totally vibe with the, yeah, the Tennessee green. I think there is just something about it, and I, I mean, partly I think you know, growing up in Ohio was kind of the same, yeah. that same sort of scent. It, it's not quite as, you know, it's not as humid and not quite as wet up there, but it still right. has that like different, you know, all the seasons, and it, it feels uh, a lot more just sort of alive or something like uh like it can support life you yeah. know because of all the water yeah i remember hearing my dad Verdant sort of yeah quality. it is it's just this sort of like a uh, lush alive place and you know i didn't i thought about um i think that's part of the reason that i that i've felt at home in tennessee too yeah because it does have that kinship and i remember my dad talking about he and my mom went out on a big trip out west when they first got married because they thought maybe they would want to, you know, live out there. They thought it would be a big adventure, and they went. And he always told me, you know, he was like, we went out there, and I thought I'd love it. 
And after a while, I was kind of like, I just really missed the green. Like, and he just, I think, same kind of thing. He had spent his whole life in Ohio and just it sort of that sense of life, I mm-hmm. think, is just something that definitely resonates yeah. with a lot of us who've put down roots here. So, yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. It is. It's a great place to be. It is. And paint. I, <laughs> I would agree with that yep. just because I'm partial. <laughs> so... We're looking at two new shows by the end of the year. One mm-hmm. of them is going to be in Nashville. Title mm-hmm. in, in don't work, have a title is yet. working in progress. Yes, is, mm-hmm. that's a work in progress, mm-hmm. and I can't wait to see what they're all about. And I really, um, you mentioned this before we started recording, but like you and your husband have a fun thing that you're doing together. Oh yeah. About oh, we do. <laughs> because I, uh. I want, I want, I want you to. Like, I think it's really cool. Okay. Now, just because I'm going to let you talk about it and then I'm going to respond with what I want to say right now, but because I want people to know like the preface part. So, okay. Well, the story is, so my husband, uh, who was a drummer for many years before I met him, um, he and I have been working on a little side project. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be releasing an album this year. We are working on some music together. Which I'm like so, grinning my face up. Because you can see, how, see blush, yeah. how much I'm blushing. No, you're not. Uh, at all. I think it's well, the coolest. The story, so it's kind of, yeah, the story is essentially that uh, I have been sort of a closet singer for a while. Like I like to play guitar since I was a kid and I like to sing a little bit with friends around the campfire. It's cute on the down low. It's very low key, but, uh, well actually, and I didn't tell you this part of the story, but what happened was a couple years ago we were in, my husband and I were in a major car accident. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. We were, we were in a really bad accident, hit and run, rolled over our van. He actually had a spinal injury and had to have surgery, uh, cause he couldn't use his right arm during the accident, right after the accident. So we had a bit of a shock, essentially, yeah. like a couple years ago. Yeah. And it just kind of realigned a lot of things for us. Like, we uh, shifted a lot of priorities at that point. And wow. he he had been, you know, when we met and kind of settled down and had a family, he stepped back from his time in music and he stopped playing drums for other people and kind of turned to, like, woodworking and doing other creative things around the house. But As you do. Yeah, he, you know, he he's a very creative person, but mm-hmm. so he's found plenty of uh, outlets. But over the years, I think there was always a part of him that really wanted to work on music of his own. You know, that yes. was always his own. He always helped write for other people in terms of like the rhythm and help structure songs. But as far as lyrics and actual songwriting, he had never really invested in that part of himself. So after this accident, when the dust settled and we kind of fell back on our feet a little bit, um, he just kind of got really determined. He was like, "We're, you know, I'm, I'm not going to waste any time at this yeah. point. I'm just going to write this music. I might, I don't have any reason not to do it. Yeah. So we just started, we'd been playing music together a little bit, just in the living room, hanging out. And, um, you are so cute. Oh, you know, it's funny. Like been together a long time and never even, I would, I would always sing with other friends. You know, he's yeah. not really as much of a singer, but like we would always, uh, we never really did a lot of music together until the last few years, but uh, it's been just a fun thing for us together yeah. to do. And we we sort of figured out that we have a way of writing music together, and it's become this fun, creative process, something for us to do together. Um, I love it. Yeah, it's been fun. I hope you like it when you hear I, it. I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, I said this, and I want to say this for the people who are listening to you. Like, I, th- I feel like people move to Nashville 
and they're like, oh my gosh, if I make music and I'm not like a serious artist pursuing mm-hmm. like a songwriting career or a performing career, then this is just like a silly hobby and it's not that great. And I don't want to tell anybody about right. it. But like if I was living like, like if you were living in another town, you'd be mm-hmm. like, hey, guys, we put out this album. People would be like, what? That's so cool. <laughs> but in Nashville, because there's so many people doing yes. it all the time. It becomes sort of passe. Yes. Even though it's not. Well. Like, it's really this creative effort to create, write, like, structure, mm-hmm. and then record an mm-hmm. entire album. I know people do it a dime a dozen here, mm-hmm. but it is a massive, beautiful undertaking. It has been to, like, really craft fun. something yeah. that big. Yeah. It's been, it's mostly just been a really fun, creative process, and it kind of started out as just something for us. I mean, really, it was. it's one of those things of, like, near-death experience, and you're only going to live once, and you might as well just yes. do it while you're here kind Never of thing. Now. But in the process of it, it just we started uh, really just enjoying the process itself of doing it. Yeah. And we were lucky to have uh, Dave Coleman, who has a band called The Coleman. He is our producer, and he just lives, like, three doors down. Oh, okay. So that's been really cool to work with him. He's, he's just really helped uh, get the sound the way we wanted it and yes. kind of build the songs the way we wanted them to sound. Um, yeah, the whole, the whole thing was just a really fun thing to do. This stage of it is a little weird because I don't, I mean, literally, I just have no idea what I'm doing on the road. I don't know. Probably not going (laughs) to, but, uh, no, you know, he has a lot more, my husband has a lot more experience in music than I do by far. Um, so I don't know where it goes. I mean, we'll, we're going to put it out, so we'll see what happens with it. Art show and right. CD release. <laughs> yeah, he was kind of joking. He's like, "We're gonna have to find some really unconventional places to play because it's kind of weird music." But, um, but I think that's you know, gonna be really fun. It's been fun. It, you know, if nothing else, it's just fun to have made it. So we'll see uh, yeah. if anyone ever listens to it. I don't know, but it's we'll been fun listen. doing it. <laughs> I'll send it your way when it's awesome. Out. <laughs> I'll put some on the podcast. Like, guys, listen, this is Megan, her husband. <laughs> You got to hear it live. I mean, well, I'm no, you know, we were talking earlier. I'm not, I'm not a trained vocalist. It's definitely that is, that something is. that I, it, like you just said, it's very weird to be in Nashville. When I first moved here, I, I thought, oh, I'm so relieved to be moving to a music city with no pressure. Like I loved not being no at all to be a musician, not at all. But it's just sort of, if you live here long enough, it sort of gets to you. I yeah. think, like I always wanted I always joked like I always wanted a Martin guitar when I was in high school we had this like really great music dealer where I grew up Mm -hmm. and I would go in there and play those guitars and I always really wanted one and thought I would never have one and one did eventually find its way to me in Nashville like I definitely was like this was meant to be right I just feel like eventually it's osmosis or something but it gets in yeah yeah can't avoid it yeah (laughs) it's just it's also just fun to have uh, other things that are not like you're not trying to make a career out of it you're just doing something for the pleasure of creating yeah. something new or learning something new so well and as creative people which I think I have a personal opinion that all people are mm-hmm. in some way you're creating as you go through life whether that's it gets acclaim or not you're creative mm-hmm. people like to find a different outlet for that like of course like you already make art well, let's make some another thing. We always yeah. make things. Yeah, like, try something new. Yeah. And I love seeing like musicians that I follow that are dab- like sort of starting to explore into visual arts too. Yes. It's really fun to see 
Like I, I listened to um do you I don't know if you know Josh Ritter, do you know his music? I think yeah. Yeah, he's he went through this phase a couple years ago where he was just painting all the time and it was really fun to see him like just a lot of like really abstract painting but he was just really explore you could just see it like ex- you know see the exploration it's happening out of you. And it's just kind of fun to see people playing around with new yeah. mediums and trying something that's really out of their wheelhouse and yeah so i i guess if you know if they can do it we can do it right uh, right <laughs> yes exactly yeah you see like um actors start bands and yeah actors become like like jim carrey have you seen like his, oh yeah that's right like he has been doing visual like so yeah. much though that's he's, right yeah i have seen so that much. i only saw it because we were watching comedians and cars getting coffee oh with yeah jerry seinfeld and he went to jim carrey's studio and i was like what <laughs> right right his studio what right. i think maybe there's just this part of of a lot of us it's like once you've kind of you get to this point with one art form where you're like, okay, I, I like where I am with this and I'm going deep in this, but I also kind of want to try this other thing. You know, yeah. you, there's just something to be said for experimenting. It's and like, sometimes that means taking it way out of your right. own little realm. So, was it the, Isn't it like right now there's like a pottery exhibit by Picasso in Hendersonville? Oh, yeah. I heard about that. Like, I haven't seen it yet. Picasso did pottery? What? Yeah. Like, yeah, even, some really wild kind of sculptural work, right? Yeah, but you wouldn't think, like, mm-hmm. that's not the thing that you think of when you think of Picasso. Mm-hmm. That's true. Right? That's and true. you don't think of his, like, early, very classical mm-hmm. work either. You think of, he has this one very sort of famous mm-hmm. period. But mm-hmm. a, but right. People but, love all of his humans. Right. They do. <laughs> and they have to stay interested way. in things and try new things. Yes. And, yeah, so even though we risk looking dumb and amateur, we're going to go for it anyway. <laughs> I, I think that's the beauty of it. I think that's, like, you're we're going <laughs> to, you risk much. Right. But it's, in the risking, it's this beautiful, like, you're expressing something that wasn't there before. You went in, out into the world and you created something that wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. Like you do with your your pieces, like you go and you capture places that maybe people just sort of drive by and you're like, ah, okay. Mm-hmm. But like to really focus in on that and to, you know, dig through these, how many years of lyrics that your husband had walking right. around. It's right. Like, those are things that he's wanted to say. Right. And that things that you guys together brought to life. And I think that's a really cool. Yeah. That's the fun part of it is kind of yeah. seeing we've both, and we've talked through that process a lot and realized like both, neither one of us would, be able to come up with something that was like we feel like together it works on a level that it would never have you know we've never have arrived at that individually at all because we yeah. just we both sort of have different strengths but um it, yeah and it's interesting to kind of have a collaboration because yeah. I don't collaborate with other artists very much so right. having that process has been really kind of interesting to go through like it's been good though like surprising yeah like, you wouldn't think that you'd you know be married to someone that long and then yeah, still still have still realize that there's something that new that's right there you yeah. know so yeah that part of it has been really rewarding it's been a new way for us to kind of communicate and it's t- i think it's just taught us a lot about yeah. kind of it's good yeah having a kind of shared project that we can both be weirdly objective about it's kind of cool yeah it's been well, great. Those, those things like you know i think there's i've i've heard from 
somebody they're like I'm not marrying anybody until I find somebody who isn't going to change on me. And I'm like, oh, we're good all luck. Then don't change. you marry an Android, not a right. human. Because we, you, we evolve as people and that yeah. you guys evolved from like something else into this. Mm-hmm. It's just this really like, yeah, there's new things about him because mm-hmm. there's new things about you that were never there right. at the beginning. Like, oh. oh, yeah. That's something I feel really fortunate about in our relationship, too, is that I feel like we have grown over the year you know we've grown closer and closer over the years and it's it's definitely been an evolution and it feels like there's just room to grow which I think is really nice because I don't think that's always the case I think a lot of people do have those expectations going in yeah that's you know you're with someone that is a fixed entity and no one is a fixed (laughs) entity (laughs) right yeah or that you grow at different rates like yeah, but I'm having space for that. that ready. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. Space. That's a hard one because, you yeah. know, yeah, we all do. We, we sort of get different insights at different stages, and sometimes we have to be patient with the other one to, like, come around or figure out how that fits in. But, yeah. you know, that's just like, the life of a marriage, I guess. I think it is. There have been different places where I felt like I was being left behind or, mm-hmm. you know, especially when like really cool things were happening for my husband, but I was still sort of lost in baby land. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, what? <sighs> That's a tough one yeah. too. And yeah. then we would switch like things were happening for me. He's like, I feel like I'm not evolving, but you're like going through this huge like yeah. growth and evolution phase. And I'm like, I don't want, I mean, yeah. I'm still here. It's not like I'm ditching you. Right. But, like, that does we're happen just kind though. of growing it different. Yeah. Yeah. But it's kind of nice when you, I mean, it's nice to be able to just even acknowledge that, that that's happening and then give that space for that other person to, you know, not, not expecting that just because you're going through that growth stage that they have to be going through at exactly the same time. (laughs) Just trusting that like, you know, they're, they're going through their own timing and yeah. I mean, I think there's this fallacy that like, as, as someone with a spouse, like you will perpetually be in sync. Uh, that's yeah. literally no. impossible like right. you can't one it's boring right two like you you're just different and you go through like so many different phases like that we would we really struggled matt and i for a while he's like we don't have anything in common right now mm-hmm. like because mm-hmm. we like very different things mm-hmm. i'm like well who says we have to like do everything together right right like we tried for a while to like find a really common interest that we both like doing mm-hmm. and like I liked this huge array of things and he liked a very narrow field, mm-hmm. which I really disliked. <laughs> and I was like, well, we'll just hang out and talk about other things. Yeah. Like, we don't have to have common interests and, and give a little bit in those areas. Like, okay, well I don't like this, but I will do this little portion of it with you because mm-hmm. I can tolerate that part. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. So, and he, he doesn't like, like, a ton of stuff that I do. He's like, he mm-hmm. doesn't like to go to concerts. He doesn't mm-hmm. like to, you know, he doesn't like to go camping. Mm-hmm. But he will tolerate portions of that mm-hmm. rather than be like, no, you can't go because if we don't do it together. Oh, I, we would not have survived if we no. had to do everything together. No. And plus, then what do you talk about if you're right. doing everything? I don't know. We're, we have a lot of space in our relationship, and I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean... We also really enjoy, we really do enjoy being together as a family and spending time together, but um, we're both always, we've always both been pretty 
encouraging to the other to just go have go out with your friends go do you know go have another experience it's fine and we I just don't feel like uh like we're very geared toward together on your wedding day like no we're definitely still full individuals (laughs) just walking next to each other in this life (laughs) so far but I think there's some of that like there's that in your when you're young you're like mm-hmm. oh i'm just gonna be with this person that enmeshment that right. comes with yeah so unhealthy yeah but i think like, at this age we're definitely appreciating our individuality yeah but definitely. also our companionship you know yeah. it's a back and forth but. i would say that once you get over the hump like right a, no we're supposed to be more connected like, <laughs> really, right we're not we just connect and then we like do our own thing. We're different, yeah. independent humans. That's a hard lesson to learn in your youth, but it is. Life gets better when you uh, learn some boundaries. Yes, <laughs> yeah. acceptance. Right, right. Boundaries. These are all beautiful things. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you have to learn. Well, I'm so glad you got to come. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. I'm really. It's just fun to hang out and talk about what you do because I love your art. And Thank I love, you so much. I can't wait to hear this fun music that you and your husband made together. Well, I'll give you the warning that it might not be super fun. It's <laughs> kind of sad, but don't preface it with anything. We're not. I love sad music. <laughs> well, it's we lo- we have a real uh, ear for sad music, both of us. So <laughs> we're not as sad as the music sounds, but it has to go somewhere, right? right? <laughs> I think yeah. there's definitely a place for like we yeah well like a long time ago when my husband and I first met he was like you play like these gut wrenching songs yeah. and then you crack jokes in between and I'm like yeah. I mean that's real that's life, our right? life right <laughs> right I'm like, like we're, I know. we're actually pretty happy but you know yeah sometimes you just gotta dump all the sad out yeah. into a song there's some yeah. good yeah there's some good sad songs out there <laughs> and we all need a good cry once in a while right exactly <laughs> well I can't wait to hear it, and I can't wait to see what your new shows about like. Thank you. About. And I can't wait to hear see about like your your Southwest phase. Like Aww. I'm just excited for all these new things that you're going through. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Bye. Bye. I want to thank all of you for tuning in this week. And um, whatever you're doing, driving, doing the all the things that we do to keep our lives rolling along. If you're um, out and about or... Uh, if it's late at night or early in the morning, you're washing dishes or I find I wash a lot of dishes while I listen to podcasts. Um, we, I'm so glad you tuned in. I'm so glad you're here and, um, drop me a line, give me some feedback, just shout out. Like, it's good to know that I'm not talking into the void and I want to hear back, um, from you guys. And when I get feedback, it's just so cool. I'm like, oh yeah, I, what we're doing, what I'm doing with like all of my time, um, is, is connecting with people. And it's really, I I appreciate every time someone reaches out and says, um, what you're doing made a difference. And I, I I really, I heard back from someone this week and I was just like, this is so, um, powerful to know that I'm just not, you know, shouting into the void. Um, I'm not really shouting, talking really quietly because I'm really loud person and I'm trying not to shout on this, uh, microphone because it clipped, but I'm still, it's good to know that there are people out there listening and we do, I do have like, you know, statistics that show me how people are, are responding to the podcast. And, and so like I have that, but some of those might be bots. I'm not sure. Like really, um, unless, unless there's really just a really lot of people super excited about the podcast in Boardman, Oregon. Um, if that's you, you should let me know because right now it's like this huge, um, listenership and Boardman. I'm like, who, who 
doing on Boardman, Oregon? Not that I necessarily have to know you for you to listen, but like, it feels that way. Like these are just my friends and family, like talking about this and sharing it, even though it's gone beyond that now. And I'm grateful. Um, anyway, you could tell I've been home alone for like hours and I'm just chattery. Uh, Anyway, thanks so much for tuning in and for listening and, um, whatever you're doing, like I, I appreciate you and I, I see you out there doing really cool things and, um, I want to talk to you about it. So I see you mama. Have a great week. Bye.